This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me today, as ever, is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And uh, we also have a couple of special guests this week, starting with Nathan. Say hi Nathan. Hello everyone. And you're a Manchester United fan. Certainly am, so we'll be adding a bit of impartiality from my side. (laughs) And because I'm a sucker for punishment and I'm outnumbered here on the pod today uh, we also have Anthony Lloyd another Manchester United fan Hi guys how's it going? And yeah I'm sure it's going to be an interesting debate today as we dissect Man United's 3-1 win uh, over Newcastle uh, from Sunday night We say a debate as if there is anything really to debate about this I mean I, I think we're all agreed um, that Newcastle were the better side and were absolutely robbed yes <laughs> maybe, maybe for the first half you were the better team so not yeah, I think second half, you know, we came into it a little bit more. Yeah, I think it was I think it was the second goal that really killed it for Newcastle. I think after that, I think I really knew that there was no chance of us pegging you back like we did in the first half. But, you know, first half actually it was it was great to see um how well Newcastle started. Really positive play, you know, intensity, there was pressing, uh, Miguel Almiron was was really bright and, and we kept you guys quiet um, you know, for the first certainly the first fifteen minutes or so where I don't think you had a shot. Yeah, Newcastle's midfield was winning Man U's, to be honest, most of that most of that first half. Your passing wasn't great either for Man U, so it was nice to see it turn around because to be honest, it was getting a bit frustrating. Yeah, Cara, I want to jump in on that point because I've been agonising about this, knowing full well I was coming on the podcast today. (laughs) And my question for the resident Geordie is, did Newcastle outperform Manchester United yesterday or did Newcastle just outperform expectations? Because if you look at the stats from the game and you look at possession, shots on goal, uh, I think XG as well, um, you look at all of the metrics that you measure football by statistically, and Newcastle were the worst worst side, and obviously by the scoreline as well. But, admittedly, having watched the game, for the first 55 minutes, I thought Newcastle were brilliant. A bit of both, I guess. Certainly the latter, I think I definitely agree with. We were a lot better than I thought we were going to be, and much, much better than we played against Chelsea. I think for over half of that game, I think Newcastle were the better side. But the problem was, I think, pretty much on all three occasions, we, we made it too easy... Uh, for you guys to score I think on the first one you know um, Marcus Rashford you know he he absolutely destroyed Emil Kraft managed to cut inside him you know and then uh, unfortunately for Carl Darlow you know gets beaten at his near post which is is a shame because he's actually been one of our best players this season you know he stepped in for Martin Dubravka and actually generally done really well but I think he was at fault for that first goal and then the defending you know for for the others uh, giving away the penalty and uh, for the third goal and then in the, for the second goal just leaving Dan James just in absolute acres of space just making it you know too easy for you guys I think you, you didn't have to work hard enough for the three goals which was my main disappointment beyond yeah, I mean, just the general result I mean that Rashford goal was very much 
an individual goal. I don't think it was really a team play from Man U. And, and then, as you said, the other goals were poor on your half. But it was difficult to see Man United playing as a team going forward against Newcastle, which, let's, let's be honest, they should have been winning a lot more by, I think. And the expectations of Newcastle playing above those expectations for, for them. Well, they had lots of shots, which doesn't normally happen. And they had a fair few on target, which is also above what I expected of seeing them play against Man U. Yeah, it was yeah. Re- it was refreshing, especially because we didn't have Callum Wilson. To, to get forward as much as we did was, was uh, exciting to see. Unfortunately, because we didn't have Callum Wilson, it did nullify the threat somewhat that we had. You know, we had Almiron, we had Sam Maximan causing you a few problems, but then we didn't really have much of a threat in the box, which I think is going to be a recurring theme for the rest of the season with Callum Wilson out. I couldn't agree more with that. I think Nathan and I were having a, a little cheeky chat before the, the podcast. And um, we kind of both agreed that Newcastle, uh, Almiron especially, and uh, St. Maximum as well, both drove forward at times and looked threatening, but then had no outlet. And and it's like, yeah, it, it looks good and it's exciting, but now what? Like you got to put the ball in the net. And but they like had Jolington there, though, uh, Lloydie. Jolington, clearly <laughs> their best player. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with jo- the Jolington. He's all. He just doesn't offer anything going forward, does he? And, uh, I'd agree with everything that that's been said in in the first half. Newcastle was certainly the best team. United or Man United, shall, shall I say, were very disjointed. We could barely string two passes together. Like Cara said, the Rashford goal was just a bit of individual skill from Rashford. Other than that, in the first half, I, I, I genuinely don't think we did anything. Second half, again, Newcastle started the better team. And obviously, the Dan James goal was, was like you say, a sucker punch. And then after that, there was no no coming back from that, really. But again, I mean, the penalty, I personally think the penalty was was a, a bit soft. But I guess in the in the modern game, those get given these days. I mean, there was very limited contact on Rashford and certainly not enough for him to go down like he did. But I guess, like you say, that they're, they're given these days, aren't they? Any contact at all, and it's a penalty. I wonder where this segue is going to go. <laughs> well, I, I really did think that, that Rashford did make the most of it. You know, Agreed. I, I, could, I could understand why the ref gave it, but you know, I, I did feel slightly aggrieved. I felt more aggrieved, as Lloydie's just alluded to, to the fact that I think Newcastle should have had a first-half penalty when uh, Harry Maguire basically body-checked Jamal Lascelles sort of more or less on the goal line, I think it was. Uh, and kind of completely went unnoticed both by the officials and sort of in the commentary as well. Uh, and I must admit, I, I didn't notice it in play at all. Um, it was so far off the ball. I, I think not many yeah. people noticed. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it back now, and it was it was very clever by Maguire. Uh, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> as it, as it, yeah. It, I mean, I think it should have been a penalty if it was against United. Obviously, you'd be you'd be aggrieved. Um, but like I say, it, it seemed to be missed by everyone. Like I say, they did mention it on commentary. I didn't actually see it in play as well. So maybe um, that's why he got away with it. I mean, I'll put my foil hat on here, right? But if Maguire was still playing for Leicester and he did that, 100% a penalty would have been given against Leicester. Uh, you say, you're saying because it's United, a penalty wasn't given there? Maybe. Maybe. Don't pull that face. We all know. 
<laughs> good news is that the uh, the listeners will be able to see well. the face. <laughs> um, That's uh, good news for everyone on all points. Uh, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, um, with these lockdown haircuts, <laughs> the lockdown haircuts are in full force. But yeah, I mean, on the Harry Maguire um, penalty, can we clear something up on the best Newcastle podcast available anywhere? Can we just clear something up right now? I've seen talk about that being an elbow. And personally, I think that's ridiculous. Like, he body-checked him. Was it a penalty? I'm going to go with it. Probably was. But he hasn't thrown an elbow at him. He's he's lent into him. I I don't... There's people saying, like, oh, red card and penalty. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I don't think it was as serious as that. I think it was a penalty. um, But I think he basically just sort of bowled him over. I don't think it was anything more serious than that. I think just the frustrating thing, of course, was just that, um, you know, with that being in the first half, had we got it and then, of course actually managed to convert it that would have been a really good time and maybe if we could have got ourselves ahead in the game maybe it could have gone differently but as I said it unfortunately just wasn't really picked up because it was such an off the off the ball incident um, but I think we've probably buried the lead a little bit here because I think really the biggest takeaway from the game for me the biggest news was that Manchester United have Scholler he's looking good he's looking good he's Gone back twenty years, hasn't it? At long last, and, yeah. Scholler has made his Manchester United debut. Well, we all knew it was going to come eventually. It was we only a matter knew of time. It was going to happen. We we all knew it was coming. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, screaming shoulder from the Stratford, and it was an inevitability. Inevitability. Mm. You know where I'm going with that. It's going to happen. So, Chris, you're only three points ahead of Fulham. Are you getting a a little bit twitchy? I'd say I'm getting a lot twitchy, to be honest. Um, I mean, that's it's 12 defeats now in the last 16 games for Newcastle, um, which really puts that in perspective. You know, I know we got those two wins, re- you know, relatively recently, but um, yeah. it's it's been a real downward spiral. And fair play to Fulham; they've done magnificently, getting seven points in the space of a week. And I think they're really breathing down Newcastle's necks now. It's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be the relegation battle this year. Um, Newcastle play everybody around them, don't they? They play the three teams below them and Brighton as well. Well, actually, Fulham's the last day of the season, so that could be interesting. Yeah, blockbuster, isn't it? Blockbuster or squeaky bum time. There could be fans as well with sort of the announcement on the lifting of lockdown. There could be fans for that last game. Yeah, that, I think, could be incredibly tense. Of course, if Fulham haven't already pulled way ahead of us by then and maybe... Maybe we'll already be down, hopefully not. And, you know, it could actually be that former Newcastle captain Scott Parker ends up sending us down, uh, which would be pretty devastating as someone who actually really liked Scott Parker when he was playing for Newcastle. No so, doubt they'll put a street the streets dub over his, uh, his interview again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, um, just from my point of view, like I say, I think there's, there was certainly a lot of positives for Newcastle to take from it. I guess it just shows as well if you do sort of attack teams then you, you can pose a threat obviously in the last month or so Newcastle have been a, a bit more attacking obviously prior to that you were you were so defensive you barely had sort of a shot on goal so certainly positives to take into your, your weekend game against Wolves um, yeah, yeah Newcastle we uh, have been so much more positive in the last few games which is the one main positive I can draw from it I'm still very nervous about the possibility of relegation, but if we can keep playing the way we do for the rest of the season, there's a reasonable chance we might pick up enough points, but a lot of it will also depend on what Fulham do at this point. 
when we had that gap, you sort of thought, well, you know, just get a couple more wins on the board and and everything, and, you know, increase that gap, and you think that's probably it. Uh, now that that gap has been almost completely wiped out, you know, it's it's really anyone's game, even if we do manage to pick up some good results along the way. I mean, still talking about positives though, right? I don't think I've seen a game recently where Fernandez has been kept so quiet. I mean, he mm. literally popped up for that penalty, and other than that, he controlled him quite well, really. I think that's. Don't, don't forget the carefully measured assist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was so on purpose. <laughs> well, I was going to say, actually. That's just how good he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is one of the things, though, with Bruno Fernandes, isn't it? That he, he's just such a productive player, which I think is so valuable that even, you know, those games where he is quite quiet, he still might get you a goal or an assist. Um, I think there's been quite a few games for Manchester United where he hasn't necessarily run the game, but he's won it for United just by popping up with a penalty or, you know, like a sort of nice uh, through ball assist or something like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's just such a valuable player in the United side and has had such a transformative impact. Who else used to do that? Cristiano Ronaldo used to do that. And he used yeah, to he, that would, he turned out all right, didn't he? Yeah, but honestly, 80 minutes of tearing your hair out. And people, mm. people don't remember it. They just think, oh, you know, great player, was, was great for 90 minutes. No, it was 80 minutes of being frustrated with him and then he'd just win a match. you just go, oh, okay, I'm going to win the match now. And then he did. And you can't really argue, can you? <laughs> I think one of my favourite memories of Ronaldo in the Premier League was a game uh, between Newcastle and Man United when Steven Taylor <laughs> called Cristiano Ronaldo ugly. I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, it didn't work. I'm pretty sure he scored against us soon after that. <laughs> but I just, it just still makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> He's also not a bad-looking guy, is it? I don't know, have you seen that statue? No, his face. That's pretty hor- horrific. <laughs> the statue in Madeira is pretty horrendous, I'll give you that. But. I can't unsee it now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so just moving on to the news, though. Um, Joe Winton, of course, went off injured sort of midway through that second half. Uh, Steve Bruce said that he, he was possibly a groin or a hip injury. Uh, so it's unclear... Uh, at the moment, whether that's going to keep him out of action, we know that Jointon isn't really a player that you can rely on for goals. But you know, it's just Newcastle squad just again just continuing to just get thinner, the attacking options continuing to get thinner. And I think I have to question why we only brought in one player in January, and that was Joe Willock, who's on loan as well, so he's not even permanent. I suspect we won't have him beyond the summer, and. It really makes me question that January business, why we didn't sort of, given the situation we're in, even if it did look a bit rosier then with the gap on Fulham, why we didn't go out and, and try and bring a, a reinforcement in because, you know, we really just, we were relying on Callum Wilson and then, of course, predictably, he got injured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I was going to mention earlier about the game was we talked about the positives and we talked about uh, Newcastle building on that first half performance in, f- in future games but I believe it was mentioned during the game the amount of goals that Newcastle have conceded in the second half of matches and later in, in matches and I'll admit that I don't watch 90 minutes of Newcastle United week in week out but I couldn't help as I was watching the game but wonder about is it part of the way that they've recruited is it part of the leadership and you know going right through to club ownership 
where they're trying to perhaps bring through players and they're just missing a piece of it. And, and I want to say work ethic. Like, or, or possibly even fitness, where they're bringing in guys that are good and talented, and you have got some talented players who can produce moments of magic, but have they got the work ethic, have they got the fitness to play 90 minutes of football? Because we talked about how good Newcastle were for 60 minutes, but 60 minutes isn't going to win you Premier League games. You've, you've yeah. got to do it across 90 minutes. Now, is that linked to the transfer policy? Is that linked to Newcastle trying to save money, trying to scrimp, trying to uh, do something cheaply, and does that go back to Ashley or you know am I completely off base with this I think there could be something there I mean certainly I think Newcastle did look quite tired in that sort of last 15 or 20 minutes and you know you, you could forgive them for that say in the Southampton game the other week when they were hanging on uh, with nine men I can imagine that was very tiring I think there wasn't really much of an excuse for it on Sunday I mean aside from the fact that I think obviously every team is having some difficulties with the fact that you know it, it is a strange season no one really had much of a pre-season either because of the uh, because of the lockdown so I think that's something you can take into account but it's been the same situation for everyone and you know you'd hope that Newcastle would be able to respond to it better than they have and in terms of the defence only West Brom have actually conceded more than Newcastle's 43 this season which I think in that front I think Newcastle do actually have some decent players in defence I think Lascelles Fabian Cher Federico Fernandez. Lewis has got a lot of potential obviously he's only young as well yeah I think there's some good players in that defence I think the problem with them specifically is that we're just not nearly as organised at the back as we were under Rafa Benitez I know it's we always bring it back to Rafa Benitez but in terms of the defence that you can sort of make that direct comparison where aside from Lewis they were largely working with the same players uh, certainly the same central defenders and we were much much tighter at the back just a couple of years ago I feel like with Lewis it's like he is his age so he doesn't have that experience and also a kind of with fitness I just don't think he has the, the, the mental fitness to, to keep on it I mean that's the reason that uh, Newcastle conceded another goal because he just switched off started ball watching mm. and then lost the player behind him leaving Newcastle open there was nothing Darlow could do there because he just turned off for a couple of minutes or seconds yeah, uh, just you know, left Dan James completely open and pretty much gifted him that goal. I mean, it would have been criminal if, if he hadn't really scored from where he picked up the ball. In other news, uh, following on from our brief discussion about him last week, though I don't think that had anything to do with his decision, Johan Kabay, former Newcastle midfielder, uh, retired from football aged 35 on Friday. Now, he, he, of course, he scored the winner the last time Newcastle won at Old Trafford, which was in 2013. And, of course, also scored that amazing free kicker in Newcastle's 3-0 win over Manchester United the year before. Memories that I do like to revisit often. Well, I'm just Good glad goal it got, was. I'm glad you managed to mention all of Newcastle's victories at Old Trafford in uh, one podcast. Is that one in 36, <laughs> was it? Oh. Yes. <laughs> I love the shade. <laughs> yeah, that that was the that was the David Moyes season when I think a lot of teams were coming and, and getting their first win at Old Trafford in sort of thirty years or something. It was ridiculous I, the amount of stats that fell that season. It was every was actually, week as well. Yeah, I was actually there. That was unfortunately the first season I had my season ticket. So we we didn't really pick our time, you know, to get a season ticket. 
first season after Fergan, obviously Moyes being in charge. But... On the plus side, though, you did see Johan Kabay running around and being handsome at Old Trafford, which I think is yes, a privilege for any fan. I did. He caught yeah. my eye. <laughs> <laughs> that hair live. That's, that's, a, that's a thing to have. Write that down. Remember the moment. But yeah, I just wanted to just pay a brief tribute to him. You know, he was one of my favourite players during his time at Newcastle. Uh, signed from Lille in 2011 and spent two and a half seasons at St James's Park uh, before we unfortunately sold him to PSG uh, in 2014, where things didn't really quite work out for him. He was a great playmaker, really good free kick taker, and he had a pretty decent record from midfield of 18 goals and, and 14 assists in 93 appearances for Newcastle. So I just wanted to pay a bit of a brief sort of tribute to him following his retirement because I thought he was a really really good player, basically. Yeah, he was a good player for you guys, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, all jokes aside, Johan Kabay played well against United on many, many occasions. Uh, dangerous player, great player, and I'm disappointed that nobody's made some sort of Johan Kabay joke with his retirement. That no one, <laughs> no one taking that. Very good. Route. Very good. <laughs> Watch that pop up on social media now and be like, Hello. damn it. <laughs> yeah, hashtag Johan. Kabai. <laughs> Credits Anthony Lloyd. <laughs> you know, if anyone wants to hire me to write these kind of high quality top tier puns, just t- contact the podcast. They'll forward it on. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we could we could really uh, have done with him playing in our midfield this season. Uh, I don't think for me, John Joe Shelby been brought into a uh, sort of fill that role in the team, and he just doesn't do it consistently enough for me. And we're really going to be relying on Shelby to sort of lead the team from midfield uh, for the next few months, starting uh, with Newcastle's uh, home clash with Wolves at the weekend, uh, which is sort of kicks off a, a pretty crucial run of games. Where after Wolves, they'll play West Brom, Aston Villa, and Brighton. So I think those four could have a massive say on whether Newcastle stay up or not. Just yeah. one quick question on on your midfield. Actually, you just mentioned that. What what's happened to the the Longstaff brothers? Because I seem to remember the last couple of games that you've beaten us. I can't remember if it was Matty or, or the other one. Obviously, he scored at St. James's Park. He's always played well against United. So I was expecting him to start yesterday. Yeah, it, it was Matty Longstaff who scored, I think, on his debut. Mm, uh, that, that, was that winner against, against Man United Park. at St. James's yeah. Park the other year. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, I think both of them have great potential, Sean and Matty. Unfortunately... They have struggled a little bit in the last year or two. I think it, what was difficult, of course, is with them both being, you know, local lads come up through the academy, you know, with that flash of talent, you know, they, they immediately sort of get hyped as soon as they get in the team. And of course, when you do, for example, when you have that sort of game like Matty Longstaff did against United, you know, I think that sort of brings a certain pressure with it. And I think, unfortunately, they've struggled to sort of really kick on from there. Because, I mean, of course, Sean Longstaff. I think he was linked with a sort of £50 million move to Old Trafford, I think the season before last. Mm. And I think in hindsight, actually, that would have been really some some quite good business. Not that I want to see him at a United shirt. I want to see him stay at Newcastle. I want to see him develop and become the player we think he can be. But there's a lot of pressure on on both him and Matty at the moment. And, you know, it's not easy for for young players always to to adapt to that and, and, and take it on board. You would have never have been able to spend that fifty million anyway. You know exactly where it'd have gone. That is very true. It would have on gone... Sports Direct or House of Fraser. <laughs> Help out those struggling businesses. <laughs> Fantastic strikers, both of them. <laughs> but yeah, I think 
it's going to be tough this Wolves game. Uh, they've they've won three of the last four Premier League games, so they're a team in, in decent form. Though they're not amazing away from home. Uh, they've got a bit of a mixed record. They've won four, drawn two, and lost six of their. Uh, 12 away games scored 11 conceded 18 so they're not quite as strong on the road as they are at, at the Molyneux but yeah it's it's going to be a really difficult game yeah I'm going to be the pessimist and I'm not going to be popular on this podcast today but I don't see you getting anything off Wolves however first of all I want Newcastle to stay up so of the teams that could go down I want Newcastle to stay up second of all there are enough points available for you. I talked earlier about you play all the teams that are below you. That's got to be, I think, you've got to get seven points from that and you've got to beat Fulham. I mean, if you beat Fulham, win one, draw one out of the other two, um, you're most of the way there. And then it's a case of picking up the odd point here and there. And I think that keeps Newcastle up. But those those three games are going to be crucial, I think. And if you can take something off Brighton as well. Uh, and don't forget, Brighton can get sucked into the relegation battle. I know that they've uh, had some good seasons in the Premier League and no one's really even thinking about Brighton going down, but they're only one point ahead of you, right? Yeah, so I think Brighton are definitely in the mix as well. And we, we need to hope that if Fulham are able to sort of continue their renaissance, we need to hope, A, that we start obviously picking up points, but also that Brighton are stumbling. I think... I think it's going to be one of Fulham, Newcastle and Brighton that go down. I think we can pretty much write off Sheffield United and West Brom. And I think probably everyone above Brighton, I would imagine, is probably safe. So, yeah, we, we, we really need to, to hope that, A, yeah, Fulham sort of slow down and that Brighton stumble a few times as well, and especially if we can beat them in a few weeks' time. Uh, in, term, in terms of Wolves, as I say, they're in good form. The last, actually, the last four meetings between Newcastle and Wolves have actually all been draws um, and several of them I think actually Newcastle were really quite unfortunate not to win I remember a couple of sort of last gasp equalisers that personally I don't really think were deserved uh, from Wolves but yeah Newcastle haven't actually beaten them since both sides were in the championship in 2017 I said just a lot of stalemates I'm never too optimistic and I'm certainly not overly optimistic for this one probably more so than I was Chelsea and United but no it'll be it'll be a tough game that Wolves I think even at the worst of times Wolves are a a good team and they're a they're a tough team to beat Nuno has them pretty uh, well organised so it will be a tough one but I think like I say if you can play like you did at Old Trafford I think you've got a a good chance and I would just mirror what Anthony said I, I definitely want Newcastle to stay up the Premier League is is a much much better league with Newcastle in it rather than out of it yeah I mean I think it helps to have a sort of basket case of a club knocking around it just sort of entertaining <laughs> everyone handing yeah, out the occasional it's, large it's, yeah, win it's an, e- an easy six <laughs> points for United <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just looking forward to your 4-3 against Liverpool because that's like a staple fixture in the Premier League as well right yeah. and it seems achievable now I mean what Liverpool are just collapsing I can't wait well yeah for once we might actually be on the winning end of a 4-3 against them. <laughs> <laughs> normally hmm. we always seem to lose those but knowing our look Liverpool will probably be flying again by the time we actually play them that would, that would be Newcastle's look in a nutshell, to be honest. Yeah. I'm convinced that Newcastle have this weird thing where the better a team is doing, 
the more chance Newcastle take points off them. Equally, the worse a team is doing, the more chance Newcastle lose points against them. So you need to run in some teams that are on form and absolutely flying, and somehow, out of nowhere, will beat us. You know what, in, in a weird way, I think we do have that habit of, of coming up against a team who've probably lost four or five in a row, and then we'll mess it up. I mean, for, you know, we, uh, Sheffield United, we were their first victory of the season, which is... Who absolute. was their second? Yeah, I don't know. Who's some no-mark team, oh, I, I don't think. know. Yeah. Just some nobody. <laughs> Not very good, anyway. No. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just absolutely typical that, it, you know, it was Newcastle that lost to them. I mean, I'm, I'm still really bitter about the Derby season in 2008 when they got 11 points. <laughs> and they got four of those points against Newcastle. Not that you bring it up, ever. We were the yeah, only you, team... you could have kept quiet there, so no. <laughs> just, I'm still angry to this day. We were the only team that they beat that season, and now we're a trivia question. <laughs> and it really annoys me. You're not a trivia question, are you? You're literally most of the football trivia questions. You're a trivia question. Especially quiz. about misfortune. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums up the Newcastle United experience, to be honest. <laughs> Roller coaster, eh? Something like that, yeah. Oh dear. Hopefully one that isn't going to be going back down to the championship in the next few months. Steve Bruce is convinced we're going to stay up, but to be honest, I am not convinced in Steve Bruce. So, No, I think you've got enough, but yeah, I think you need to get rid of Steve Bruce personally. Not, He's not a good manager, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, I think... The fact that we've been playing well recently will probably save him. I think if we'd continued to play as badly as we did for most of the winter, and then Fulham, of course, have largely closed the gap, I think he, he possibly either would have been sacked in the last couple of weeks or maybe in, in the next week or two. I think the fact that we our performances have been picking up will probably save him because he'll be able to point to that progress. But he needs to start converting that into points. I know we've got those two wins recently, but we need to really start piling the points on the board thick and fast. Uh, and so I suspect he will probably hang on to his job uh, at least for a bit longer. Of course, the question is if we were to get rid of him, who we would bring in. But I suppose that's uh, that's a dilemma that we'll have to face if and when we do actually sort of you know give him the push. I was going to ask, like, given the um, given the fact that the the new manager is just a mystery box, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. Would you take staying up this year, but then another 16th, 15th place finish next year with Bruce, over getting relegated, new manager coming back with a new manager? Which which of the two would you prefer? It's a really difficult one because it's it's really not fun watching Newcastle under Steve Bruce and. As much as I'd be happy to to stay up this season and next season, the idea of sort of go, continuing on this sort of slog with Bruce really it doesn't appeal. But I think the worry when you go down is always that you're not going to bounce straight back up. Now, obviously, Newcastle have been relegated twice under Mike Ashley. Thanks, Mike. But and fortunately, thankfully, they did manage to come back both times straight away which you know for example you look at Aston Villa they spent a good few years in the championship when they went down with us uh, in 2016 you know they've it took them several years to come back up and of course you also sort of look at teams like Leeds I know it's unlikely 
Sunderland. Yep, Sunderland. Did you see the start from? Um, so, of course, I've got to bring this up. Everton won at Anfield, right? Did, did, did you see the stat that the last time Everton won at Anfield, Blackpool were in the fourth tier of English football, came all the way up to the Premiership, beat Liverpool, went all the way back down to the fourth tier before Everton won at Anfield again? It was 1999, weren't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, 21 it was. years. That's amazing. That was a good year, weren't it? 99. I can't remember what happened, to be honest. There was some no. good stuff happened in football that year, mm. I believe. Solskjaer scored a last-minute winner somewhere. I think it was... Was it in Germany? Oh, it was in Barcelona. Something tells me it was... Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was against we a German some, team, though. Yeah, we won some cup with big ears, I think. I don't really remember it very well. No, it sounds goofy-looking, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I seem to recall the, the FA Cup was very uneventful for Newcastle that year as ah, well. Oh, yeah, I so. forgot about that. We beat a team from the North East as well, didn't we? 2 0, I think it was. And yeah. I think it was Sheringham and Skulls. By the way, I know that season off by heart. So. <laughs> if I remember right, they almost spoiled the party with a, a short, short, moment, short moment in time, it looked like they were going to ruin the party. And then mm. they rolled over and let good things happen let us tickle their belly yeah. <laughs> so, so basically like yesterday then yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly there's, there's parallels there we've come full circle That's, yeah. I feel Newcastle's a bit like Pandora's box like right at the bottom there is hope but there's so much bad above yeah. that that comes before that kills you yeah <laughs> the hope that kills you funnily enough I'm, I'm going to bore you with this but uh, the Pandora's box thing there's some interpretations of it that say that the hope's the worst bit so like the, the the hope at the bottom of the box was actually the worst part of it. I, I'm buying uh, I'm buying into that interpretation. So, I mean that 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 kind of holds up with the whole Newcastle parallel. So, <laughs> what is this thing called hope? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar. Maybe one day, Simo. Maybe one day. Maybe one day, but not this week, unfortunately. Maybe next week if we happen to play well against Wolves. Okay, so I think that's everything for this week. Uh, Please give the podcast a like and subscribe, and if you could leave us a positive review, that would be brilliant as well. Uh, Until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having us, guys. And thanks, Nathan. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for coming on, and we'll see you next week, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.